I'm so glad to get to serve here as an old guy. Went up to Helena last week. There's a church in Helena called Narrate that I, uh, I usually go there and speak once a year. It's always fun, but it's always more fun to come back. Okay, turn to John chapter 8, if you would, please. My brother that's just older than me, he's with the Lord now, but uh, he was three and a half years older than me. And at his funeral, I said, first thing that I said was, my brother Marlon was a hooligan. And he was. Ever since I can remember, from the time he was a little boy, he was in trouble. My mom used to have to put him in a harness and tie him to the clothesline pole to keep him at home. And I, when I was in junior high and high school, I'd stay awake at night praying for him. And uh, most of his adult life, I prayed for him. He was in drugs and drug dealer and alcoholic and always in a mess. In his uh, 60s, he gave his life to the Lord and uh, was a, was a true follower of Christ, influenced at the funeral, at his funeral, uh, he was a card dealer. So the whole place was full of people that came to this casino in town, and, and gosh, it was fun. And they, they liked it when, they, when I said he was a hooligan. But uh, when, he, when he went to be with the Lord a number of years ago now, they said, well, what do you want to put on his tombstone? And I, I didn't know you did that. I thought you put your name and your date of birth, date of death on there. But they said, well, you can put something on there if you want to. So I said, put Jesus, friend of sinners, on there. So if you go out to the Laurel Veterans Cemetery, you can see that on his, on his tombstone today. Jesus is a friend of sinners. There's a difference between a sinner before they give their life to Jesus and a sinner after they give their life to Jesus. Uh, it's all about grace, but uh, the Bible says don't judge one another. People are always quoting that one to me. Don't, 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 judge, don't judge me. And my response to that is what said, he said, Paul said, do we judge people outside the church? No. We judge people in the church. In other words, they're called to a higher, we are called to a higher standard after we begin to follow Jesus. Uh, the subject of adultery is what I want to talk about today. Aren't you glad you came? Uh, it's so normalized in movies now that frankly, you know, we'll watch something on television or in movies and you just kind of expect it. It's just it's just there. When I don't the percentages aren't as high as most people think they are, but even in dating, it's kind of expected that when you go out on a date with somebody, then you're gonna you're gonna have sex. You know, we always say sleeping together. They don't sleep together, they have sex. <laughs> Call it what it is. Don't nice it up. And and uh 
We don't want to approach this, we won't approach this this morning from a judgmental perspective, from a condemning perspective, but from a, hopefully from a biblical perspective. In the 1940s, the guy who took over Angela's Temple after Amy Semple McPherson went to be with the Lord. They had this big marquee out in front. <clears throat> and they always put the name of the sermon or something about it on this marquee. And he, he put this thing up. It didn't last long. He said, uh, the subject of the day was, the woman caught in adultery vividly illustrated. <laughs> he didn't mean it to sound like people, <laughs> people took that. <laughs> he took it, down in a, took it down in a hurry. This is one, it might sound strange to say this, but this is one of the loveliest stories in the Bible. Woman caught in adultery. So I want to read it to you. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, which is just, you got Jerusalem, and then just east of Jerusalem, there's this hillside. It's not really a mountain, hillside that's the, the Mount of Olives. You read about a lot in the New Testament. At dawn, notice how early in the morning it is. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So she's caught in the very act of adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, there's something missing here. What is it? The man. And missing the man. In the law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But when Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Lots of speculation about what he wrote, but we really don't know. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. The implication is the older ones caught on quicker to you know, what Jesus was saying, and they, they knew they couldn't, couldn't throw a stone. At this, those who heard him began going away one at a time, the older ones first, and only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? The word condemn there means unfit for further use. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now here's the phrase I want you to see. Go now and leave your life of sin. So he graciously doesn't point the finger of indictment at her. He graciously forgives her. But then he says, okay, from now on, I'm going to show you a better way to live. Go and leave your life of sin. So there's a difference between before and after. So <clears throat> he, could have, he could have embarrassed her. That's what they came to do, was to embarrass her, to embarrass him. But of course, Jesus embarrassed, embarrassed them. I suppose I could point... Anybody in the room, let's pick on Grove. Grove, is there anything in your life, 
And if I wanted to treat you, not like Jesus did, but I just wanted to embarrass you, I could bring you up to the front, and I bet there are things in your life that I could point out before you were a follower of Jesus that would embarrass you and humiliate you. He's nodding his head. Me too. Me too. We've all got a story, don't we? But that's not the approach that Jesus took. So let me give you some options about how we can treat sin. Number one, we can point fingers or throw rocks, as it was the case here. When I was pastoring at Faith Chapel, there was a young woman, she wouldn't mind me saying her name, her name was Cindy, who worked with uh, young people. She wasn't the primary youth pastor, but, but she uh, was helping. She was on staff helping with the youth. And it came to me that Cindy had gone out to a party with a bunch of high school kids in the youth group, others as well, and gotten drunk and passed out on the lawn. So how'd you like it if I did that? Cause any, cause any stir? So this came to me. I, it was actually happened two years before I heard about it. Nobody told me about it which we had a conversation about later, but I brought her into my office and there were several of us around the table. The youth pastor was there and my assistant was there and Cindy and myself. And So I, I said to her as graciously as I could, I said, Cindy, uh, somebody told me the other day that this happened. I told her what they told me. Is, is, that, is that true? And so it's always good to ask questions first. So she said, yes, two years ago. So that was informing to me. She said, two years ago there was a party, and I, and I drank too much, and I passed out. I'm ashamed of it. I asked Jesus to forgive me. I asked the kids to forgive me. And it's been a couple of, couple of years ago now. And... Uh, I was, I was sorry that no one else or her had told me about this, but we, we, we talked that through a little bit. So her heart was great. So I said, Cindy, I'll I tell you what I'm going to ask you to do. Because drinking is, is such a point of controversy, particularly among staff members. Some people are teetotalers. I used to be a teetotaler. And uh, some people think anything's okay. And I said, so I want to I use this as an example to talk about our position on drinking. So she said, I'd, I'd be glad to. So I, next staff meeting, there were about 50 people in the room. I sat on one seat. She sat on another seat. I, and I said, I want Cindy to tell you her story. And so she did. So in the New Testament, it says to rebuke People who are elders, you know, people who are in positions of leadership publicly, as an example. So that's what I was doing. I was being nice about it, but the, but she was telling about it. she was confessing her sin before those that were influenced by it. And uh, she she was very repentant about it, asked for forgiveness again, and we prayed for her. And that that opened up a discussion for me, an opportunity to talk to them about about what is appropriate with regard to alcohol. Ben, who was the pastor here, many of you know, uh, he was very open about a problem that he had, and uh, this surfaced when he was working for me at Faith Chapel. And it was basically 
different issue, but the same kind of a thing. He was very, very open to correction. He was very vulnerable. Asked me to pray for him, asked me to help him, asked me if, he wanted, if I wanted to step off his staff. I said no, and I'll tell you why. Because I just fired somebody for what he was doing. And the reason I did is because they weren't repentant. In fact, they lied to me about it. Ben was very open and asked me to pray for him. Asked, he said, please help me. I want to get over this. And I never had to ask Ben if he sinned. He always came to me. He'd say, please forgive me. I'm sorry. This is what I did. So we'd, we worked with him. We got counseling for him and worked through all of that. So point being to this point is shame and humiliation and embarrassment isn't appropriate. I don't care who it is. We're, we love everybody always, right? Doesn't mean that we ignore sin. It doesn't mean that we just pretend like nothing happened. But l we love everyone always. That's, that's our position. So Jesus didn't shame and embarrass people. He didn't go around saying, you did this, you did this. No, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. He went around loving people where they were, changing their lives, and then they move forward with a better future. So number one, we can point fingers. That's obviously not appropriate. Secondly, what is appropriate, we can look in the mirror. That's what Jesus asked them to do. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time you have a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite or you actor. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, deal with your sin because your sin is an obstacle. It distorts your vision, your perspective of how you look at other people. So another example uh, of, of how this is to be dealt with is a number of years ago there were several several guys in town who met together on a regular basis very close to each other and the person who was, was kind of the leader of the group committed adultery so they came to me and it was, it was, a, it was a tough situation because a lot of people were involved and it kind of could, could have gone south on us pretty easy so I, I thought about it carefully and what we did was we we talked to the brother he was repentant and we had a meeting at faith chapel where not everybody was invited people who were influenced by him came and there were probably two or three hundred people there a couple hundred anyway and i talked a little bit i kind of set it up with this kind of a talk and then he came to the front and he told his story and he he apologized, he repented, and he, 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 was, he was repentant. We had communion together and, and then uh, prayed for him. So the point is, even when somebody is wrong, we don't throw rocks, we don't point fingers, we look in the mirror, which brings humility to us to confront a person in a healthy way because we know we're capable of the same thing but by the grace of God. They brought this woman, and basically they throw her at Jesus' feet and says, what are you going to do with this piece of trash? Obviously, Jesus doesn't treat people that way. And so he 
he said, well, which of, which of you haven't, hasn't sinned? Why don't you go ahead and throw the first rock? And one by one, they, they went their way. One of the things, not regarding adultery, but our political climate right now, I'm old, so I can look back. And it, it, politics has never been an easy thing to be in. It's always been tough. But it's particularly tough now. And there's such hypocrisy on both sides. Recently, uh, they are talking about the fact that, well, we need to make sure that we have a good separation of power between the legislative and the executive and the judicial parts of government. And they were pointing fingers, you're, you're trying to interfere in our business. And then last week, a senator came out and stood in front of the Supreme Court doing the same thing. Hypocrisy, confrontation. Thirdly, we can act like Jesus. And it's, it's, it's hard at times, depending on what the issue is and how we're involved in it. Paul said, brothers, if someone is caught in sin, which this woman was, you who are spiritual should restore them gently, but watch yourself or you too will be tempted. So looking at your own life should bring about humility. doesn't mean it's okay. It just means, you know, I know I could do the same thing. Maybe I've already done the same thing, been restored. So they condemned her. In other words, you're not fit for future use. You're a piece of trash. When Ginger and I, before we were married, we had both been married previously. I had a child. She had two children. We went to this church and... And we were looking for the Lord. I mean, we wanted to follow the Lord. And basically, they, they treated us like, well, you're going to have to pass this test before, before you, we let you welcome, you're welcome here. We felt like we were judged. We felt like they were suspicious looking for things rather than welcoming and embracing. So we went to another church that I've referred to often as a dumb church. It was a really dumb church. But they loved us. So, uh, some of you may remember this, the, one of these stories. There was a woman who, I think she was just out of high school, she was married. She was going to, it was called Eastern, Montana, Eastern College then. And she had an affair with her professor. <coughs> Left her husband, ended up marrying, eventually marrying the professor. So she was, she was gone from the church, I hadn't seen her for years, probably 10 years passed. And uh, she, her name was in my appointment book. And when she walked in the door, she literally fell on her knees on the floor and began weeping. Pastor, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. It was one of the most humbling things I've ever experienced in my life. And those of you who know me know what I did. I mean, I, I fell on the floor and started crying with her and praying with her. And she was completely restored. Another case, about the same time frame this couple sat in the front every week I just thought they were friends he was married she wasn't uh, and uh, I just thought I, I thought they were coming to church and sitting together as friends found out they were having an affair so I had a meeting with them and I, I told them because of this difference between before 
and after. You're both followers of Jesus, and yet you're not living. I, I expect people who aren't followers of Jesus to live like people who aren't followers of Jesus. But they were followers of Jesus, not living like it. So, long story short, it wasn't harsh at all, but I, I told them that I wasn't doing them any good, and they weren't, they weren't welcome in the church anymore until they, until they got this straightened out. They were mad at me and left. Probably five years passed. She's, she's sitting in the front row when I'm preaching. So my mind is thinking about that while I'm preaching. And she comes up afterwards and she said, Pastor, she said, would you please forgive me? You were right. And I was wrong. Would, would you allow me to come back to church? And I said, absolutely. And she, she did for years. You remember when the woman was washing Jesus' feet? There are several examples. There's a couple of examples that are different. This is the one who, who uh, wasn't Mary. It was a woman who had lived a sinful life. She's washing Jesus' feet, and the Pharisees are saying, if he, he, if he is a prophet, he'd know this woman. Got her hands all over him, and she's a sinner and all that. And, and, and here's what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And I think that's true. Some of you who didn't sin very bad, <laughs> you don't get the impact that someone who has a horrible sinner does when they receive Christ. They, they get it. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. He said to this woman that caught in adultery, let me show you a better way to live than this. You can live better than this. I love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that. That's what we have, is the ministry of reconciliation. What we're all about is bringing God and people together. The ministry of reconciliation. The first person that I led to Christ... She was a little hippie girl. This was during the, during the hippie times. And, and uh, her name was Debbie. She'd been living with a man. And I knew that when I met with her. But I knew she wanted to, wanted to meet. So I sat down in my office. And, and uh, I said, tell, tell me your story. She told me her story. And so I said, I understand that you want to receive Christ. And she said, yes. So we knelt down together and prayed. And when we got up, I said... I said, well, what do you, no, she said, well, what's next? And I said, what do you think would be next? She said, well, I guess I ought to move out from my boyfriend's house. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yes. My point in that story is I didn't start out saying, hey, I understand you're living with your boyfriend. You've got to get that cleaned up before you can come around here. That's not, that's not the way Jesus' people act. There's a before and after, and she knew what the after was. I always say to people, I'm not going to rail about sin every Sunday because I know that if somebody receives Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in them and He's going to bring conviction. Amen. I don't have to tell them to get cleaned up. They'll get cleaned up if they're following Him. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. By the way, that, that Debbie, her boyfriend, almost came after me with a hammer. <laughs> he, he wasn't happy about her receiving Jesus. So I went over to the house to talk to him, and he's got this hammer sitting right beside him on the hearth. And so he never did receive the Lord. But I didn't go back to his house either. <laughs> Lord, uh, we have a room full of sinners here, including me. Some of us have committed our lives to you. Some of us haven't. And Lord, I pray for the followers of Christ that are here today. If there's something going on in their life that they know isn't appropriate, help them deal with that head on. If there are people here today who have not walked with you, but you're stirring in their heart right now by your spirit to invite them to follow you, would you just, just reveal yourself to them today, Lord? Heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I wonder if there's anybody here today you want to you say yes to Jesus. You've, you've got the idea this morning. There's nobody here that's going to condemn you today. We just want to open our arms as we represent Jesus and welcome you. If you'd like to begin following Jesus today, you haven't done that. Everybody else's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. Would you just look up at me? Just keep looking at me until... I see your see your eyes and you can just nod at me and I'll know that's why you're why you're looking at me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for these many this morning who have received you, who love you, and are serving you. Lord, I know some of their stories and they're wonderful. About your healing virtue, your grace, your deliverance in their life, Lord. Pray you'd keep that up. We love you today and give you thanks in Christ's name.